kid. I do. Nunzio, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play ball. So can you just give me okay. a little bit of your uh, baseball bra- background? Okay, so um, my baseball background is that for the last 10 to 12 years, I've been training baseball players. Prior to that, um, I, my, my, uh, my history is a soccer player. Um, and, you know, I'm basically an anatomy kinesiology guy that played soccer. Um, and I love Eric Cressy's take on it. He was a tennis player. He didn't play baseball either. Um, I only played baseball till I was about 15 years old. So my training of baseball players came from a kinesthetic standpoint, whereas I just thought that it was such a complex movement that, um, you know, having a background in anatomy um, would help me separate myself from a lot of the uh, strength and conditioning coaches who kind of just go through the motions and train everybody like a football player. And that's how I created my niche. I said, you know what? The shoulder is probably the most mobile joint in the body. It's the one that gets in trouble the easiest, that and the knee. And um, I said, you know what? If I can just, uh, if I can just dissect that and I can just attack that, um, I, will, I will cut a lot of the competition um, out because a lot of people just don't want to mess with that. Um, so my background, my background in baseball is only as far as all the baseball players that I train over the last decade. So on a recent podcast, I had a pitching coach from Stephen F. Austin University, Bo Martino, on, and we talked a little bit about Rapsodo. So he mentioned your, your course and research with it regarding spin efficiency and velocity. So can you just tell me a little bit about that course? Okay, well, that course, uh, that, that webinar that, that my partner did with Robbie Avales, who's actually um, with the Baltimore Orioles organization right now, they, um, they talked about true spin, and they really talked about pitch location. And actually, I think Bo, Bo was one of the guys that actually bought that webinar. Um, and it was, it's been received really, really well. It's kind of a how-to on how to um, use and read Rhapsodo. And it was, it was received so well, we sent it to Rhapsodo, and they actually have it on their website. As um, You can purchase it on the website, and they, they recommend it. Um, to people who are buying their units to actually learn how to actually um, use the unit via the webinar. Uh, and it, it, it got really great. It got really great response. And, um, you know, it's really important to, to be able to not only read Rhapsodo, but know what to do with it, know how to know how to change things, um, you know, from a hand movement, an arm slot, or maybe it's a physicality thing. Maybe it's something physical. Uh, that you need to get out in front of your you need to get out in front of your body more to get more vertical break on your curveball or your breaking ball or um, anything like that. So my my experience with Rapsido is only to the uh, extent of my partner uh, who has a has a uh, degree from Tufts in mechanics uh, mechanical engineering and um, his his familiarity with that and Robbie Avila is my pitching coach uh, one of my pitching coaches. They got together and did it. Um, I didn't really have too much to do with that. Um, so I, I really, that's the most I can really tell you about that. That's perfect. So as a strength coach, you work with a lot of baseball players. So can you tell us what age you wish pitchers would start training and why they need different training than just regular strength training? And then how often that's- should they train both in-season and off-season? 
Okay. So that's a great question. First of all, um, I think that all kids, not even just pitchers, I just would say that all kids should play multiple sports and get their movement basis much more rounded than just playing baseball. But when should they start training? When should kids pitching? I think the kids should start working on their mechanics as young, um, as young as they'd like to, even as young as nine and 10, um, uh, playing, um, playing multiple sports as late as possible, up to 16, 17 years old. Um, I tell guys, you know, not until you're starting to talk to people and it's like maybe 11th grade, I would, I would continue to play multiple sports. But as far as the strength training goes, um, I would, uh, I, I, I try to get, I try to get guys into my gym around 13 years old. And at 13, um, I'm looking at, you know, specific things like, are there, are there growth plates? Uh, are they kind of done growing? Um, are they almost done growing? You know, that'll tell us, do they need body weight stuff first? Can we start lifting them at 13 years old? Um, you know, I have 13 year olds that come in and they look like Gumby and they just, we cannot, we just can't put weight in, in a kid's hand like that, that, that has, that's going to have such laxity and such movement dysfunction. And then there's tight movers. Uh, these kids who come in and they're just, they're just mature for their age and they're, they're, they're really, really sound and they can, you know, hold their bodies in place and in, in a hip hinge. And those guys, we can, you know, we can be a little bit more aggressive with those guys, but the answer, the long winded answer to your question is 13 years old to lift. Um, how you lift is dependent upon how physically mature your body is. We make that, um, we make that decision when we assess you, but I can't emphasize the fact enough that along with that, I think you should continue to play multiple sports. I completely agree with the multiple sports. That's why this year in high school, I'm trying out for both the basketball and baseball team this year. Cause I feel like basketball yeah. uh, definitely keeps me in shape for over the off season instead of just completely weight training the, all the time. Okay. So, so this is, uh, this is my, this is my next pet peeve. Um, guys, guys that generally come in and, and start lifting and are lifting year round and they lift in September and October uh, while they're playing fall ball or instead of playing fall ball, they usually, and you're, you're a 6'2", 14 year old. I mean, the coach right now is just frothing at the mouth to get you to play basketball. Um, you, what, what I will tell you is if you don't continue to eat, sleep and lift all through basketball season, you're going to lose that weight. And your arm is going to start barking in, in, in January and February when you start throwing bullpens. Um, and that's, that is the one thing I do see. Basketball is a really, really, um, as far as multiple sports go, basketball is a really, really touchy one with baseball players. A, because it happens in the off se- right in the thick of the offseason. And B, there's so much running um, that it's, a lot of times if the guys don't lift, they come back and they're like 15 pounds lighter. Got to so- be careful of that. I completely agree with that. That's why with basketball, I'm also uh, basically lifting weights the rest of the time if I don't have a basketball game or um, just practice. Yeah, don't forget about eating as well because yes. lifting, just lifting weights and playing basketball isn't going to make you keep your weight on. you got to consume way more calories because basketball is, burns a lot of calories. And as far as um, how many days a week, um, my guys, I try to get them in there. You know, obviously 13 to 14, 13 and 14 year olds. Um, if I can get them in there two to three days a week in the off season, that's great. Um, once they hit about 15, try to get them in there four to five days a week in the off season. And then once the, once in season comes, 
uh, and they start playing ball. It's about March, April, and May. We're looking at, you know, if I can get them in twice a week, once on the weekend and once during school, um, that's a great way to kind of get them to get two days a weekend without um, having them miss two school days. And, you know, we're just really trying to stay, keep the strength that we gained in the off season and maybe get a little stronger. But the key is to not just not let that controlled fall happen in the, in, in the end season and um, not, you know, not stop lifting because you'll lose first, you'll lose speed and then you'll lose strength. So how do you train for the difference between tight movers and loose movers as well as tall guys like myself? Okay. So tall guys, obviously you have a, you have a longer range of motion to, to, to bring you like, like in a depth for like, for example, how I would train you for a deadlift is, um, Guys, generally, I, I six two, six three, six four. I'll generally put a platform on the ground, like a, a step on the ground, like that's maybe like three inches high, um, to put the weight, to put the to put the trap bar on. on so you, uh, it gives you a little bit of a, of a more realistic hip hinge that you can hit. Because once you're trying to go down too far, if you ever look at like a basketball player try to squat, it's a pretty ugly sight. You know, they have those big long legs. Um, you don't want to be going too deep into a squat with long with with, with a with a tall body um, and trying to come up out of a squat with in in, in a in a trap bar in a deadlift come up out of a deadlift with too far to go because uh, the compensatory patterns happen and you start moving the weight the wrong way you start getting flexion in your lower back um, you know you start pulling your lats too much so I will I will adjust the weight I'll I'll elevate the weight a little bit for guys that are about six two and higher. Um, so they're not pulling from the ground. And as far as the tight movers and loose movers, um, you know, loose movers, they, uh, they need to do a lot more strengthening as opposed to their mobility work. Um, stretching a loose mover is like, uh, you know, banging your head against the wall when you have a headache to get rid of a headache. Um, it's kind of like, it's, it's defeating the purpose. Whereas, um, our, our, my tall loose movers, are really, really, usually generally really elastic and they need to get strong to kind of almost like tighten themselves up. And the more tighter movers that are generally our more stocky, shorter guys, that um, those guys need a lot of mobility. They're, pro- they're usually pretty strong because they got a low center of gravity to the ground, but they, uh, but they generally are a little tighter. Those guys need more mobility and strength. So it's balancing out the amount of mobility to strength work that you give tall and tight guys and, and loose guys. So what are some of the main uh, areas of, fo- of you focus on when you train pitchers like me who are just entering high school? What are the areas that I focus on? Um, I focus on T-spine rotation. I, I focus on how, how good is your hip? IR and ER, um, external and internal rotation, glenohumeral, internal and external rotation, and um, passive and active external rotation. That's a, that's a whole conversation. Um, how far can you go back in external rotation on your own, and how far back can you go when I move it? Um, that tells us a lot about um, how much stress is going to be placed on your arm when you actually hit the mound and it forces your arm back into layback. Um, so I look at rotation. I look at upward rotation. Um, we do a full scap assessment. There's a lot we look at, but generally in the off season, I'm trying to 
um, get back some IR you might have lost in the off season, in the in season, and um, try and get your trying to get you rotating well. Make sure your rotation is good in your hips, your arms, and your T spine. So, what are the key things someone should look for when you're finding a performance coach or facility as a baseball player? So, well, first off, are they? Do, is the first thing they mention that they're going to assess you? Because if you go in to actually train somewhere and the guy doesn't mention doing an assessment, uh, you need to just turn around and go find another spot because there's nobody on the planet that can um, that can figure out exactly everything that you need by just looking at you. You got to put you on the table. The assessment gives us, it's like a GPS. It tells us, you know, it gives us a blueprint of how, what you need to do. You know, it not only makes sure that we're working on the right stuff, but it also makes sure that we're not um, spending time on something that you really are okay with and don't need, you know, and we could use that time in that hour better spent to work on the things you actually need. That's the first thing is an assessment. The second thing is, um, I generally um, look at the facility, look at the type of people that are training there. When you walk in, try to go in when it's busy. Are the people that you see move in there, are they moving well? You know, um, you can tell a lot about a facility, about the way the people move when you walk in there. Okay, so that's another thing. Um, the other thing, the, the third thing is, is how concerned, um, how concerned is the coach or the person you're talking to about allowing you to train on your own. Um, because if someone's going to let you just run right into the weight room at 13 or 14 years old, um, I, I would be a little weary of that, A, as a parent, and B, um, just, you know, it, you might be the best in shape kid, most in shape kid for your age, but at 13 and 14 years old, there is a mental aspect um, about actually being able to know when to lay off heavy weight and when to go lighter, when to go heavier um, and motivating, motivating you that I think is a coach's job up until you hit about, you know, the late, late 15, 16 years old. So our guys don't train. We don't allow anyone to train in our weight room at 13 and 14 years old on their own. Just doesn't happen. We, we, we ingrain good motor patterns and then we send them out there. So they're the three things I would look at. Are they giving you an assessment look at the people and see how they move and um, do they uh, do they make you uh, do they make you come into a structured program where there's eyes on you at a young age Nunzio thank you so much for playing ball oh absolutely this is great hey it's Sammy here thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show I would like to ask for your help Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.